You're listening to Fireside Chats Without the Fires podcast, where customer experience enthusiasts are inspired by our weekly CX practitioners and thought leaders who share their insights and knowledge. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Toff and Paul Catherall. Friday, April 30th, Fireside Chats Without the Fires, and it is going to be on fire today. It's on fire be for two reasons. Well, three reasons. First off, it's Friday. And Paul, what are you? You are? I'm buzzing, Neil. It's Friday. I'm buzzing. Of course he is. Wouldn't be a fireside chat without the fires without Paul buzzing. Uh, it is Friday, April 30th. Uh, this is season two, episode 11, believe it or not. Um, we're so happy. Uh, today is going to be a great episode. It's a great episode. For, here's the reasons why. We have, a, we have a, a, just a tremendous guest. We're going to introduce... Sherry Kendall in just a second. But you know what else is great about this episode is that we're, we are deviating in a great way. Paul and I have done some great interviews um, with authors of books, thought leaders, and we spent the first several months of this year uh, thinking more about theory, discussing theory, discussing thought and leadership. And in the vein of thought leadership, Sherry Kendall is a thought leader. What I particularly like about Sherry is that she's also a practitioner. She's in the enterprise. She is in an activity that is critically important to the successful of what we do to, to, to communicate with our customers. And so we're bringing it back, let's call it, into a different plane, the plane of, I call it the first plane, the plane of the, the, the actual practice of, of, of CX. Um, that being said, I want to introduce Sherry. Sherry Kendall, Training Manager of Wayfair. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about this conversation. For those that are not following Sherry, please follow her. She's active on LinkedIn and Twitter, which is where I honestly uh, got to know Sherry just a bit uh, through the former ICMI chat. So many relationships were forged uh, through that. And I didn't initially know Sherry. I knew Sherry through some people and through some people who knew some people who knew some people, of course. That's how often these things start. And so having the opportunity to spend time today uh, with Sherry kind of more directly is, is such a treat and opportunity. Um, she's a very busy person. She's doing some great work. And, and like I said, just really excited to have you, Sherry. The topic for today is psychological safety in CX. And you might be wondering, audience, what does psychological safety have to do with CX? Why do we need psychological safety? What is it? And why are we talking about it in customer experience? And I'd like Sherry, just to jump right into that question, what is psychological safety and why are we going to talk about it today? Well, I think it's a key ingredient to CX, right? Especially when we think about CX um, and employee experience and the relationship with the two. So I'm fortunate enough, I don't remember how I found Dr. Timothy Clark's work. Um, those of us that, those people that know me know I'm an avid researcher. So I'm I'm constantly reading and looking for new things and I'm certain I just, I, I found him by accident and it was a very happy accident. So um, Dr. Clark has recently, um, I think in 2020, he wrote the four stages of psychological safety and has since um, he's created an assessment tool and a trainer certification, which I just completed last week. And when I started reading about psychological safety, I was like, this is it. This is the thing we're missing, especially in contact centers, where in CX, that's my specialty is contact centers. Um, 
And psychological safety has four phases, right? We have inclusion safety. So how a person is um, seen and heard and feels included on their team and in their organization. And this has to occur first before any other safety, it, the other three levels of safety can be achieved. Um, and as I was preparing for, for a conversation, Neil, yesterday I, I watched Miss um, Oprah Winfrey talk about a book that she just launched, um, uh, What Happened to You. So it, it, for me, it's a trauma, uh, trauma-informed book. Um, and they were talking about inclusion and reminding us that it used to be when we were in tribes, it, banishment from the tribe was worse than death penalty. That was the ultimate, right, to be banished. So when we think about inclusion and the need to be included, we're, it, it's in our biology. We must feel included for anything else to happen. So when we think about our teams, how are we welcoming people into that team? And, and, it, and here's the thing about all of these stages is it's not a one and done thing. It's not a task. Here are five things you can do. Your folks will feel included, one and done, right? It's an actual process that you have to continue thinking through your team meetings, the way you're interacting with your team members, the way they're being allowed to be to show up and be seen and to be heard, um, and to constantly reflect on these practices and be willing to ask yourself some hard questions and receive feedback. Are folk, do folks feel included? And what does that look like? And how can I maintain that? So inclusion safety is the first step. Um, after folks are included, they're then willing to get in there and start learning. And learner safety means I'm willing and to, I feel included, I feel seen, so now I'm ready to start learning your policies, your practices, your philosophies. I'm, I'm willing to start asking questions and digging deeper, right? Figuring out how this place works. Um, and, and I'm feeling included, I'm learning, now I'm able to contribute. Right. If we think about Daniel Pink's work in mastery, right now I'm starting to become the master and I'm starting to be able to to contribute in a meaningful way. And that, again, is really important in contact centers. Right. How are folks being what opportunities are you providing your folks to contribute in a meaningful way? And oftentimes one of this, this is one of the things I'm sure you've heard me say, Neil, is we don't um, historically customer service work hasn't been seen as a meaningful activity, right? It's, oh yeah, I answer phones, I answer some emails. And I'm just yesterday was having conversations with people on the front line about, oh, you're doing so much more, so much more. You're an agent of peace in that moment, right? In that moment, it, and, and maybe it's a broken dresser or, you know, your art supply kit is late or your insurance payment didn't process right. It, it, we're not carrying cancer. We're not paying mortgages. But in that moment, we're able to offer peace in that storm. And so it's our job as leaders to connect customer service representatives to the power of their position, right? That's where meaningful work occurs. Um, and then as we're starting to be able to, we're, we're getting that opportunity to meaningful contribute in a meaningful way, then we are a chant, we can challenge, right? We can challenge the status quo. So this is the ultimate um, stage of, of the ultimate, sorry, 
stage of psychological safety, right? Now I can challenge the status quo. I can ask questions. Um, I can dive deeper into processes and policies and philosophies. And I think this is the key in contact centers as well, which are often considered a cost center, right? They are a cost center. Let's just be real. However, can we maximize that cost center? I constantly think about um, some conversations I've had with Justin Robbins over the years, who I'm, I'm sure your audience is familiar with. And he's always in my head, you know, about cost center, contact centers or cost centers. How can we maximize that? What are we missing? And if our folks on the front lines are able to uh, feel psychologically safe and experience that and challenge that status quo, I wonder about the innovation, the creativity, the problems that are going to be solved um, by folks that are actually with our customers more often than anyone else. There's a lot here that you just mentioned. So uh, if I can summarize, uh, and I did a little bit of reading of this to, to prep and try to get an understanding of what this was all about. Four steps, inclusion safety, yes, learner safety, contributor safety, and my favorite, challenger safety. Yes. But you can't have one without the other. This is these right. are necessarily linked. It's not you can't have number two and and, and 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 feel safe. It seems like you need to have all four. Yes. They're connected, right? They are connected. Yeah. And again, it's not a one and done proposition. You know, it's not okay, well, here's your checklist. Um in my a conversation with Dr. Clark, he was mentioning that um, he was a football player, I believe, and he was, you know, he was included, right? Um, his coach made sure that there was this inclusion safety happening until he was injured. And when he was injured, he was treated differently and his level of inclusion safety uh, dropped significantly. As a matter of fact, disappeared, right? So inclusion, I think, is, is the one of the not only is it key, but it's the it's the level of safety that we have to pay the most attention to. So how what are we how are we reacting and bringing in folks that maybe are experiencing something at work and they're not performing right now? Right now they're not performing at their top level because you know a child had surgery, a car accident, all of the things that we've experienced this last year. Right? Um, I know for myself, you mentioned that. Um, uh, you know, we had seen, we had met on ICMI chat and I know I've experienced some things over this last year and I've been relatively quiet in social media because of the impact of, of the pandemic in my life. Right. And so thinking through this, this past year, are you still, do you still have inclusion strategies as folks are working through some things that we have never experienced before? Yeah, those are, those are the tough things. I mean, listening to you, I'm thinking about my own company and what we do and don't do well. I'm, I'm thinking, I'll admit, I'm a little scared. Thinking, like, are we really treating our new employees that have joined during the pandemic? Are we treating them with, with equal mm -hmm. uh, comfort, equal thoroughness, so that they can really feel uh, to become part of the team? And if not, then we're in trouble. Yeah, I'm doing yes. like a self-assessment here, uh, and, and I'm I, I'm a, I'm sweating a little bit. I'm not showing you the sweat, but I I um, this is some thought-provoking stuff. Let me ask you this question, Paul. Paul go ahead. Yeah, you jump yeah, in. Yeah, sorry. So be, be, before we go on to that, Sherry, I've I've got a question, and I don't know if it's gonna if this is gonna upset people. So apologies. Um, I wonder if it's Neil and I come from 
age, certain age, right? Neil and I are of a certain age. We we're familiar in terms of you know how we how operations used to run in a contact centre. Clearly, for the better, time has moved on, which is great. And things you know a lot more things are now being open for discussion. I wonder, Sherry, is it easier now to have these type of psychological safety discuss discussions with people in you know team managers roles? And it may have been when. Neil and I were coming up through the ranks. Maybe we were a little bit more closed-minded. I'm just curious to see what what you think on that subject. Um, so, we, the is your your question is how it used to be and 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 our opportunities now. My question is: Is it easier now to talk about a talk to psychological mm. about the topic yeah. of psychological safety to leaders now than it may have been ten to fifteen years ago when Neil and I were coming through the ranks? Makes sense. Oh. Oh, it makes perfect sense, Paul. Thank you for that question, because I know when I started in learning and development and and I have no problem saying I'm 51, so I've been around for a while. Um, and when I started in learning and development, I uh, um, I get really, a, a, my stomach hurts when I say this, but I used to teach people when you walk into work, you leave whatever is happening outside of work at that front door. I don't want to hear about it and I don't want to see it. I can't believe I used to say those things and I meant them. Um, and um, now what we know is, and, and this is what I tell people now, if I could leave all that stuff at the front door, I'd go out the back. I would not go back to, through the front door and pick it up. Okay, You know, if I could leave it, I'm leaving it. Um, it it's, it's who we are, right? We're, we're, it's about integration now. Um, we have to show up at work as our whole human being, our whole selves. Now that doesn't mean I come into work and I verbally vomit all over everyone about all the stress, right? Inappropriate, that's not appropriate. But it does mean I need to be able to come to work and say, you know, my youngest son lives with some significant cognitive challenges and he has for 26 years. And I need to be able to come to work on occasion and say, you know, it was a rough night last night. We were up pretty late. Um, Today, I may not be performing at my best. I just need a little space. And I need to know that the consequences aren't going to be projects pulled from me, my trust has been broken, I'm now viewed as less than. I need to know that the psychological safety occurs. I need to know that you still see me as a fully functioning human being. I still, I'm still a top performer. I just need a moment, right? So, um, and what I've noticed as well, especially um, and I, I think of Leslie O'Flavin as I say this, millennials, right? <laughs> um, they're demanding that, right? They're saying, no, 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 I'm going to show up at work as my whole self and I expect that you embrace me in that way. So um, whether, uh, you know, folks that, that are our age want to have those conversations or not, I'm saying they better figure out how to have them or they're not able to retain employees. And I would also not uh, do not hesitate to say I do my best work now that I'm able to bring my whole self. Right. I used to have to, you know, when my son was was younger, um, we didn't have a lot of the resources that you have today. I was figuring that out on my own. We didn't even have a diagnosis. Right. It was he, he was um, we didn't have child care. There wasn't a place in town that would help me. It was very, very I can't even describe the level of stress. I dealt with that all on my own and then would come to work and perform. And I was still a top performer, right? That's just how I'm wired. But now that I can come to work and be seen as a whole human being and have that space, 
I'm doing my best work ever. Like, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. So I've lived this. <laughs> this is great. So again, we we said this before we hit the play button. This is hard stuff. This is um, this gets into your guts a little bit to to each of yes. our guts a little bit, and it's it's um. It's, it's, it's anyway, it's not easy. Can I ask you this? So tying this back to customer care, why is psychological safety important in customer care and CX? Kind of the so what moment, like why do we talk about this uh, in this realm? For so many reasons, for so many reasons. Uh, one of the first reasons I think of is, I mean, how often have we heard customers, you know, they have, they have a BS sniffer, right? And so if you contact customer service and you're you're pretending to be authentic, you're pretending to care, your customer's gonna know it. And one of the things that we know that differentiates customer service today in customer care is personalized service. I need to know that you care about my problem, right? Um, I need to know that you're invested in solving this problem, which means we have to care for our agents. Um, they have to feel included. They have to feel seen. They have to feel heard. Um, they need to be connected to the meaning of their work uh, in order to provide that exceptional customer care. You know, uh, you can get, if you want whatever you're looking for on the internet, right, to buy, to shop a product, there are 150 people at least offering the same thing that you offer, thousands of people probably. So what sets you apart? Well, what sets you apart is the quality of your product or your service. And then how are you going to solve my problem when that product or service breaks? Right. It needs to be effortless and it needs to be um, I need to feel cared for. We cannot we will not get that level of service from agents who are not cared for themselves in their teams. It just won't happen. So or, when an employee. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Finish, please. Well, I was just going to say it it can happen for about six months, right? And then you're going to, then they're going to either burn out or become toxic. Either one of those is going to damage your CX experience and your CX and, and you can't afford that. There isn't a company that can afford to do that today. Correct. So what I was going to ask you is what happens when an employee in a customer care environment, environment feels psychological safety. It sounds like the, the, the linear conclusion is they will be able to provide better experiences because they feel safe, comfortable, uh, they can they will perform better and therefore treat customers better. Is that that's the, the right assumption? That is the absolute correct assumption. And I would also wouldn't hesitate to guess they may be um, also willing to start looking at and uh, processes and policies and products, right? And able to provide you some feedback that may have taken years to gather from customers, right? Um, why not get it? Why not turn that cost center <laughs> into a place of creativity and innovation? Those are the folks that are talking to your customers that have experienced a break in your promise. You can't afford to ignore their their feedback. That's where we get the final two of the four psychological safeties, the contributor safety and the challenger safety. Correct. Right? Yes. And so the, the other question I was going to ask you, and I think we understand the, the, also the assumption is that uh, employees in the contact center that don't feel psychologically safe, what happens? They provide bad experiences. They treat customers like CRAP. They 
turnout turnover quickly, motivation drops and performance drops, and then the call center becomes truly the call center because that much more expensive. Is that kind of linear thinking? Yes, you're absolutely correct. I think we have the data that shows what occurs when uh, agents aren't psychologically safe because we have done a great job in this industry or in many industries in providing this level of safety, right? Um, I don't know that we even knew it existed. I think most of us knew this existed, but we, d we didn't have the language, right? We didn't understand what it meant and how it looked in practice. And now that we have a, um, we, we have tangibles, right? We know what it looks like. We have definitions. We can start creating practices um, because you're absolutely correct, Neil. What you will experience is high turnover, um, burnout, toxicity on your team, and you're missing all of that opportunity for innovation and creativity. It just, the business case writes itself, in my opinion. Yep. What are the ways to teach psychological safety? Uh, is it hiring Sherry Kendall? Is it going to find the checklist and downloading it on the internet? Like, tell us, like, how, how do enterprises that are kind of interested in understanding the importance of the thing, what, what do we do about this? How do we actually teach it to our teams? Well, you can hire Sherry Kindle. That's wonderful. I will be available for hire next week. Um, um, and we have, um, there's an incredible assessment tool, which I think is a great place to start. Um, so Dr. Clark um, has uh, an assessment tool that uh, uh, really gets in there to find out how safe your teams feel. And um, has we have incredible resources that, that I have access to as well to provide managers with those strategies that they can use to create that psychological safety. But it, it's some hard work, right? You're gonna have to ask yourself some big questions and it's not always going to feel warm and fuzzy right to look at some of the practices especially if you've been in this work for a long time you know paul as paul mentioned it used to look a lot different and that wasn't 50 years ago that was five years ago that was 10 years ago those folks are still in the industry running contact centers um and so it's it's going to take a commitment from the executive team of any organization to say this is how we operate today let's get in here let's look at our practices um, let's have some hard conversations and um, and let's start developing some new practices. Um, so uh, I think even if, if folks are saying, okay, Sherry, my budget's zero, right? Which <laughs> uh, we often run into. Um, I would say, pick up a book, uh, start with Dr. Clark's blog posts. Um, he's the most recent, but this, this work did start quite a bit, quite a while ago. And um, happy to share some links with you as well, Neil, if you, you want to put it on up on your site. I would encourage people to at least begin reading. Begin by picking up a book, picking up a blog post, really getting in there and starting to understand what it means and thinking through your own practices. Start with inclusion, because if all you do is increase your inclusion safety, other, the other levels of safety will start to build chain reaction sure um wow there's there's so many more things i'd like to ask you this seems to almost feels like to me this is the first of hopefully some additional uh guest sessions you'll come on yes, and join us because there's, there's so much to talk about to, to, to dive into um let me just ask you a more general question because you are such a a recognized expert in corporate training and learning mm -hmm. um i think it would be a shame if i didn't ask you just something that's been on my mind and i yes. think that our, our audience was probably curious about, which is 
what is the present and future of corporate learning today? So not necessarily about the contact center, certainly the contact center right. and customer experience, but yeah. generally corporate learning, like present and future, what, what's going on today and where is this very specialized field heading towards into the future? Well, one of the gifts of this um, last year, and um, by no means do I mean to, to insinuate it was full of gifts, but one of the gifts was um, remote learning, right? We had to get out of the classroom. And I was so happy <laughs> um, because putting people in a, in a big old room with a bunch of PowerPoints is not learning. Um, you know, knowledge is created, not consumed. Individuals need the ability and the opportunity to interact with new content in a way that makes sense to them. Um, and so I, we have created, um, you know, at first it was just this mad rush to Zoom, right? And everyone just threw up PowerPoints in a Zoom room. And now, yay, you get to sit at home in, in a classroom for hours. Woohoo! <laughs> Um, and we've we've moved beyond that, really discovered it's all about personalized learning, right? Uh, adults come to us with different levels of knowledge and expertise, and they need the opportunity to make co new connections um, with the content, um, bringing their worldview, um, finding things that are of interest to them, um, and uh, finding it in, in different, all sorts of places, right? Um, you can LinkedIn, Coursera, uh, blog posts, uh, you know, chats. I mean, learning doesn't need to be a sage on this stage, somebody standing in front of a room, determining, you know, saying, I am the know-it-all, I know everything, you must listen to me, and then you're gonna pass this horrific hundred question exam or you're out. That is ridiculous, <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, Learning is, is about getting in there and interacting with something that is, is of interest to you. Um, and sometimes it's not, it doesn't even always look like something that's going to be applicable to your work. And you, it's amazing what you will find. Um, I think of Tim Ferriss. Uh, I adore Tim Ferriss, a huge fan. Um, and sometimes he has in his podcast, he has topics that are just so left field in my world, right? Like my, I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I will listen. And I kid you not within that 60 minutes, there is a golden nugget that's relevant to what I do in my life. My point is learning happens everywhere. There's new knowledge all over. And we have to, I do believe we're at a place where we're starting to understand that in corporate learning and development. And we're saying, go forth and learn, bring it back. And let's talk about how to apply instead of let me tell you exactly how it's going to be, right? Sensational, this is great. Thank you so much. Um, Sherry, I want to ask you three questions that we always ask all of our guests in the final third of our podcast. I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. Okay. I think I might know what you, if I were to take a guess, I might know what you're going to talk about, but I'm going to ask you this first one anyway. What is a CX myth that you would like to bust because the, the CX myth buster question, something commonly held idea or notion that is really just CRAP, like take an ax to it, break it apart. What, what would one of those things be? Well, you know, I thought a lot about this. I even Googled CX myths because I wanted to make sure that I was biting you the correct one. I, you know, I hope this is what you're looking for. 
I, the myth I want to bust is that customer service isn't an honorable profession. It's not a career. It's a stepping stone on your way to somewhere else. It, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. It is a career. It's an honorable career. And one of the things that I think also we've learned over this past year, you know, you've been in your house for 90 days. The only person you've interacted with is customer service. Please tell me that wasn't one of the most meaningful interactions you've had in a while. And also you may have experienced if it didn't go well, tell me about that impact on your life and then try to tell me that this isn't an honorable career. Um, I often ask people to think, just reflect in the last 30 days, and this is different because of this year, but prior pandemic, think about 30 days and how many times you interact with a customer service professional. That number is exponential. And then think about the quality of your life if those interactions aren't great, right? Wow. And then try to tell me it's not an honorable and powerful career. I have yet to have anyone come back and say it isn't. So true. I love this. By the way, in my own company, uh, I have this same discussion with our HR team. You need to tell the team that you're talking to, the ones you're, the, the team members you're recruiting that you want to join, and the ones that are currently employed by us. Like, I'm, this is not a part-time gig for me. I'm not. This is not a stepping stone for me. I do this full time. This yes. absorbs me, and I love it. And I want it to absorb you, team member, and I want you to see that this is a full-time career opportunity. If you do well and perform, you'll be, you could be here the rest of your life if you do a great job. There is enough work to go around in all areas of the company and in leadership, and you can and should rise up. Um, and I don't think we do a, enough of a good job of explaining that to our team members. You're right. The mentality is this is just a stepping stone. It's a temporary thing. It's a until I find the next gig um, right. idea. Yeah. A great, great, great comment. Thank you for that. I, I want to ask you the next one that we'd like to ask our guests. Um, CX quote. Do you have any type of quote? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a CX quote, but something that you can apply uh, in your work or in the CX field that you think it could be a business quote. It could be a leadership quote. It could be something spiritual. Anything that kind of moves the needle for you uh, said by somebody. I don't know who said this first, but kindness matters. I mean, it's, you know, kindness in all things. If we could just be more kind um, in all of our interactions and conversations, um, the world's going to shift, right? If we all just took kindness a little more seriously. Kindness matters. Kindness matters. Simple and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Final question for you. Do you have a CX hero or CX heroes, plural, uh, that you'd like to share and you know we will tag them hopefully if yes. they're on linkedin or enter taggable but any anyone you'd like to call out that's been uh, important in your uh in your life um yeah. in the cx work that you've done well i'm so grateful you said it didn't have to be one because i don't know how to do one but i did narrow it down to three and if if my other folk my other members of my tribe are listening i hope you all know you're just as impactful um so nate brown Right. Um, Nate Brown has been pivotal in my life. Uh, he, too, is somebody that understands kindness matters and that this this is an honorable career and profession. And um, he uh, I don't know that Nate's ever had a bad day. If he has, he's not shown anyone else. Um, and his passion for all things CX. Um, uh, we had a, a conversation and an ICMI conference that was just life-changing when we when I started talking to him about inclusive CX and what that means for folks on the autism spectrum and and uh, 
I'll never forget that conversation. Uh, it was life changing. Um, Jeannie Walters, um, uh, fangirl, I'm a huge fangirl, and I got to have dinner with her in Chicago, and I almost lost my mind. Uh, luckily, I had dinner to keep my mind occupied because I was, was um, fumbling over my words. I just felt like I was in the midst of an awesome human being. Um, and again, she's somebody that understands um, the honor in our profession and that um, you know, kindness matters, um, and also research and investigation, right? Um, making sure that the, the information she's providing is evidence-based research dear to my heart, right? But I could not ever talk about CX Heroes and not mention my dear friend and colleague, Jeremy Watkin. Um, he changed my life. Um, and his, his kindness, compassion, and depth of knowledge um, is, um, is bar none. I mean, he's still, uh, to this day, the expert I go to for any questions about quality or customer care or team leadership and, or, um, you know, my running, um, I'm still, I have a goal to run with Jeremy. We used to be walking partners. Um, for those of you that don't know, Jeremy's an avid runner and my goal is to run three, three miles with him. So that keeps me motivated, um, and, and out there trying to put some miles on my running shoes. So, um, if I don't talk to Jeremy at least once a month, I, I'm, it, it, my world just isn't spinning right. <laughs> That's great. What a great list of people. Uh, each of them have been guests on this podcast, and we have relationships with each of them. Uh, many people bring up Nate Brown. Uh, he's an yeah. oft-cited uh, hero for so many people. He's just his work is just it stands alone. It, it's incredible to collaborate with him and listen to him and be a part of his his, his world. Um, Jeannie, wow, yeah, we love Jeannie. Jeannie's been great. She was a guest here, and by the way, what a what an amazing content generator. And you're right, oh, it's evidence-based, yes. it's, high, it's high quality. It's, yes. it's She's not putting stuff out just to put it out. There's, there's Everything she puts out is very high quality, it's thought-provoking, a very hard worker. Love you, right? Yes. Yeah. And and certainly Jeremy, gosh, Jeremy is a, um, Jeremy's a, 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 a friend of the podcast, he's a personal friend, I, I love his work. Uh, yeah. I'm not six foot four, so I don't think I'd be evil, even able to keep up with the first mile running with him. He's just a lot taller, his legs are a lot longer than mine. <laughs> He's a lot better shape, and he's been doing this a lot longer. But but you know what? Jeremy is such a decent guy that he would run with any with anybody. I think that asked him. He's such a good guy, and he is so kind. Uh, gosh, yeah. great list. Love it. Thank you for sharing yeah. those. Of course, thank you. One final thing before we we uh, wrap up here. So you mentioned um, some new work that you're going to be doing around psychological safety. This is the moment yes. where I would like you to put in a shameless plug for your work. <laughs> Toot your own horn here. Do you have a little description that uh, the audience should know about? If you have a, a Twitter handle, a website, a LinkedIn, yes, please absolutely share that. Let, let the audience know what you're going to be up to. So um, I'm coming out of hibernation. <laughs> um, as I mentioned, I have been quiet during the pandemic. Um, we all experienced it in different ways, and, and I needed to hibernate for a minute. So um, I have uh, launched Sherry Ann and Associates, and we will be official um, next Friday. Um, and you will find weekly content um, about psychological safety specific to customer experience and contact centers. So um, I really want to tie this content back to my love of CX 
and um, and contact centers. So um, if you're in that contact center world and you're interested, uh, you will find weekly content there, links to resources, um, and I will also be available um, to consult um, in whatever way that works for your organization, including the assessment tool that we um, that I discussed uh, prior to this. So the first step, of course, um, is identifying where where the gaps might be, and let's create strategies to close those gaps. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing that for um, our CX friends uh, across the globe. That's great. That's who he is. Yeah, I will be uh, posting. I'm starting to post on Twitter again. So you'll find me posting there as Sherry Kendall um, starting today, actually. All right. Well, it, it's been great to have you here on the podcast. It's great to, uh, I don't know if this is the only place you've announced this, but to be a part of your announcement. And all right. What, what yeah, an honor for this us. Is Thank it. you so much. <laughs> Audience, follow Sherry Kendall. Pay attention to her work. This, she's she's uh, the track record of putting out thought-provoking content and challenging some of the dominant paradigm in CX uh, up until today has, has always been there. It's been consistent. And I think moving forward, we have great things to look forward to. And I would love to have you come back uh, to keep us abreast of what's going on, what you've been up to. Once you get, get everything launched and started, we want to hear more from you. Uh, I really appreciate the introduction to the four stages of psychological safety. They resonated with me. This is some thought-provoking Again, I keep using that that that, that phrase, but you know, it really made me think a bit differently about how I want to continue to treat our own employees. And again, I love the idea, the last two, contributor safety and challenger safety. Because when you get challenger safety, you start to achieve continuous improvement and right. change management. But you have mm -hmm. people that are, that are bought bought in, they're involved, they're they're they they become stakeholders in this. And I think this is where the true value is, and where you can move away from being just a call center into something that is really uh, game changing for your organization. Well said, Neil, thank you. <laughs> right, uh, this is sensational. One final note for the audience, uh, hopefully if you like our podcast in general, and if you like this particular podcast in general, general, rate us, review us. Uh, our favorite place to be rated and reviewed is in Apple Podcasts, please. We always appreciate uh, the feedback, and if there's a compliment to share, we would love to hear it. If you have a suggestion, here we go, We're talking about contributor safety and challenger safety. Please feel safe and share those with us because uh, we, we want to know how to generate the best content for our audience. Um, once again, today is Friday, April 30th. This was season two, episode 11, Psychological Safety in CX. Paul was buzzing today. I think he was really buzzing coming in. Paul, how are you feeling as we end today? Pretty buzzing, right? <laughs> Yeah, pretty buzzing. This is, I've, I've been trying, I've gone through kind of a, a gamut of emotions on, on the podcast. Yeah, I was buzzing when, when we started the, the recording. Um, but actually, Sherry, kudos to you. You've taken me on, on kind of quite an emotional roller coaster today. And you, you've made some cracking points and salient points. You know, you've come up with some quotes and I've wrote them down here. Agent of peace. I love that one. You should, you should, you should hashtag that one. The other one I liked was, Sage on the stage. That one really did make me laugh. I thought that was great. Um, kindness matters is probably one of the most important things that you, that you said. But I think the one thing that I'll take away from this was the way that you phrased uh, psychological safety, as in now we have the language and we have the packaging to completely understand it. I think if nothing else, if there's nothing else our listeners or audience take away from that, that is the salient point in my most humble opinion. Sherry, you, this 
like Neil said, this is thought provoking. I was trying to think of another way to describe it. The word I've come up with and I've wrote it down, and I don't know if I've spelt it correctly, I have to spell check it later. I found this quite poignant. I found it quite a poignant um, recording because Neil, we've done all the rara stuff. We've done all, all those type of podcasts in the past. This is different and it's an excellent different. And for me, it's very poignant. So Sherry, I really wanted to thank you for your time. It's been, it's been a pleasure, honestly. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me. Loved having you, Sherry. Thank you. Once again, audience Sherry Kendall, please follow her. Please check her out. Please uh, consume her content, especially if she's coming forward with this great announcement. Um, we will look forward to having her back on uh, in, in the future. We're, we are going to be rooting for her. Concluding Season 2, Episode 11, Psychological Safety and CX with Sherry Kendall. Audience, thank you once again. Please give a rate and a review. It's always valued and appreciated. And tune in uh, for continued sensational, sensational content. We hope to make you think. We hope to make you react. We hope to change your lives and add a little bit of value in what you're doing in the CX field. Thank you so much. Enjoyed having you. The episode is over, but the conversation continues. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Post a comment and subscribe to stay on the leading edge of customer experience. To get in touch or be a guest, follow us on Twitter at ChatsFires or on LinkedIn or in your podcast repository of choice. Thank you.